Amen. You may be seated. If you are age 12 and under, you can head back to Camp Pointway as they have a lesson back there for you. Denise, where's Denise? Denise, would you come up here, please? I have a brief announcement this morning, but Denise had still wanted to join the membership class back in 2022, and she wasn't quite sure if she really wanted to join you guys. I mean, it was all about you guys. <laughs> I told her I would embarrass her, but, um, but Denise has completed it uh, as of last week, and so she's our newest member in 2023. So, Denise, thank you. I'll have to ask for forgiveness later for embarrassing her, so. Uh, correct. <laughs> um, I really do uh, appreciate our church family. I appreciate all the feedback, and uh, I've gotten a lot of feedback over the last week or so about being in Samuel, and uh, it's, it's great um, because a lot of times when we go through something, it's not a book that we would normally gravitate to or something we would normally study. And I love the fact that we study different things at different times. Our, our men's group is doing James, and PJ has been focusing on the Lord's Prayer, and all those different elements. And it's great because it kind of rounds us out a little bit. But isn't it amazing how God brings things together and how they, they kind of fit? Even though we can be in different sections of the time period, different sections of our Bible, but God brings it all together, and how timely sometimes those messages are. And so I am also thankful that it's not all reliant upon me. And um, despite Joe giving a little mini sermon, I'm still going to preach mine today. So, uh, no, and I love the fact that, that Joe feels the freedom to do that as well and to share because I know in a group this size that God speaks in many different ways. And we're going to look at that this morning a little bit um, because it comes up in Samuel chapter 3. So I say First Samuel for our benefit, but as we've mentioned, as we've gone through it, that it was originally written as one whole book. It was all together. Much like Kings and Chronicles, they divided it out for our sake, but really they're all together and it's a span of history. You know, and Samuel covers a large portion. Israel's about 150 years of time. And it's a, a time in Israel's history where things are kind of unsettled. Anyone relate to that, being in unsettled times when things are not, you know, calm or peaceful and there's a lot going on? Well, that's where Israel finds itself. They're in that transition time. They're in between the time of Judges, and Samuel's that unique character, right? We've talked a little bit about that, that he's part judge, part priest, part prophet. He's got all that going on, and they're getting ready to start anointing kings, and he brings that era in, the, the time of the kings. And so it's that in-between time. Things are not settled. And again, we find ourselves quite often in that, right? But even when things aren't settled, who is the faithful one? God, right? Don't ever lose sight of that, right? No matter what the character is, no matter who we study, God is the one that is the important one here. He is the one that is the foundation. It's about God's faithfulness. You know, he's faithful to that remnant no matter what's going on, no matter what they're doing. We also have looked at how God uses imperfect people. Amen, <laughs> right? Right? 
that he, God used it. That they don't have their act all together. Things are not always done the right way, but God still uses us today. That part hasn't changed. We also learned, if you've been with us in 1 Samuel, it's a great idea to have two wives, right? It's peace, right? It's, it's, it's the perfect scenario, right, to have two wives in the same house, right? No. no. Chapter 1 clearly says, you know, shows that, yeah, it didn't work out so well. Echanon had trouble in the house, and he tried to compensate by loving one more than the other, and that didn't work, Right? One had kids, one didn't. We talked about Hannah at great length, right? Samuel's mom. And how she made that vow to, to dedicate Samuel to the priest, right? To the, the house of the Lord, to, to dedicate him to a service of ministry, right? Because Eli was the perfect priest, right? No, right? No, nah, but his sons were much better, right? Way worse, yeah, yeah. In many ways, way worse, right? Joking, I love the fact that you guys are, are following, right? But and again, sarcasm is part of my normal language, so I can, can use that as well. But, right, his sons were horrible. His sons were taking portions that were not allotted to them. They were misusing the sacrifices. In fact, they were even going so far as to sleep with the women outside. They were really being very disrespectful to God and what he had set up. So much so that the no-name prophet, we learned about that last week, right? He predicted the death not only of the two boys, but also Eli himself, and that his line would be cut off, which was a serious thing. I mean, as a dad and a granddad now, you know, that, the, that line going on, that legacy, you know, that we want to leave, to have that be known, be cut off, not only in just the family line, but also in the Levitical line as priests. The thought Eli was hoping that his sons would take over and then his grandsons and continue on the process, yet because of the sin, it's going to be cut off. Starting to and we have Samuel in this, right? And Samuel is starting to grow. He's starting to find favor. And we left off last week where Samuel is starting to find favor even among the people in stark contrast to what's going on. Despite his circumstances, despite what's going on around him, Eli, Samuel is growing and maturing. And people recognize that. And so now we're going to pick up the story a little bit more in chapter 3 today. That's where we're at today. And um, we'll see how Samuel's progressing. And I've titled today's message, Hearing from the Lord. And it comes more of a, as a question than a statement, but that's the, the title of today's message as we dive into chapter 3. It says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli in those days, and the, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Just a, a brief stop there. And again, our scriptures say the, the, the boy Samuel, but most scholars, as they've timed it out and they've looked at scripture, he's probably in that almost teenager, preteen age, somewhere in that 12 to 13 range. If he'd been over 13, they would have called him a man. So he's kind of in that in between, but he's, he's not a boy as in this big. He's now growing. There's some time that has gone on. We sometimes lose track of that when we look at Scripture because we're looking back through it through the lens of history going backwards. We forget that there's spaces in the, even in our reading. But he's a 
preteen or right in that, that era. And it's interesting because we get a glimpse of what's going on, right? It says the word of the Lord was rare, right? Only a few people were hearing from God. And again, you don't want to be in that time because what it's saying really is spirituality has gone downhill. It's pretty, pretty slim. There's not much going on or not much seems to be going on from a spiritual standpoint. Also, if we look back in history, this is a pretty dry time in Israel's history. They're, they're, they're struggling with their spirituality. Things may be going right, their lives are going fine, but spiritually, they're starting to decline. Now, in part, could be to what's going on with the priest and obviously the two sons and all that, right? I mean, if, if they're giving you a hard time and you see the hypocrisy, are you going to want to go and sacrifice to that? It'd be pretty easy to say, well, why would I bother, right? It's, it's being misused. That's not honoring to God. There's another whole message there. I, I, I'm skipping over it, but sometimes we neglect our spirituality. We want to blame it on somebody else, right? Well, because of something pastors done or something someone else or a church we neglect our own spirituality, or we use that as our excuse. But either case, it's going on here, and again, there's not many visions. There's really not much hope as part of what that's saying. We're not hearing from God. It's a dark time. But yet, again, remember, God is faithful through all of this. Verse 2, it says, One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, and was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Not a long phrase, not a, a lot there, right? But just his name, Samuel. And again, we, we know from the text that God is speaking audibly, right? He's speaking out loud. He's He's saying it so that Samuel hears him. It's coming from God, and it's in a place where you would expect God to speak. But there's a lot of interesting things here. You know, the contrast of Eli, right? Eli is older. He's, he's getting weaker. His eyes, he's not hearing from God. Yet we have this young boy, preteen, that's hearing from God. God's speaking, and he's speaking directly to him. Now, I will say, God does not often speak directly to us in an audible voice, but there are times that he does. I think many of us, if we have had that walk with the Lord a long time, God speaks in many different ways. But there are those occasions when he does speak audibly to us, and certainly personally. And so we see that here in the beginning of Samuel's call. I love his answer, right? Again, he's not exactly sure who this is, and he's not, he's not recognizing that it's from the Lord, and he says, here I am. And then verse 5, he runs to Eli. Here I am, you called me? But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and laid down. Again, the, the call, Samuel doesn't know where it's coming from, but his next authority, right, is Eli. Samuel's Someone woke me up. Someone wanted me, and I'm here to serve. I, I go and I run. 
And I, you can almost picture Eli, again, if you're a dad and you've had kids run to your bed. Of course, in our family, our kids always ran to PJ's side. They never ran to my side. I mean, why that would be. Um, I do, because they always got the same answer, get back to bed. Eli is the same way, right? Just go back and lie down. He, he's disturbed. He's not, he's not happy that Samuel's woken him up from his sleep. And so he just said, hey, go back down and lay down. He doesn't ask much. He just answers him, hey, it wasn't me. You know, he's probably thinking, oh, maybe he just had a bad dream or something's going on or whatever it is, he doesn't want to deal with it. And so he sends Samuel back to lie down. Again, they're in close proximity, but they're not in the same room. Verse 6 says, again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Eli, now my son, mine has it hyphened a little bit more, that it's a little more heavy. This is my son, I did not call, go back and lie down. Verse 7 is interesting here. It says, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Again, he's being woken up. He's hearing the voice, and he's thinking it's Eli, and he runs him, and then Eli has the same response. Hey, not me go back, and there's a little more urgency, there's a little more probably frustration, go back. And it explains it here. Scripture gives us that, hey, at that point, Samuel's not recognizing. He hasn't heard God's voice yet. This is the first time to him. This is a, a new experience for him. And so he's wrestling with that, right? It hasn't been revealed. He hasn't been opened up to that yet. It's kind of how the, another translation puts it. I love the fact that God is persistent here, right? The third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Three times. All right, now Eli's getting annoyed here, and you can say, All right, something's different. Something's wrong here. This is not normal. And you see it in the next part of this verse. It says, Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. And again, the, the calling here is just not speaking to him, but there's now a calling. It's more like a calling on his life. Again, Eli, you got to think from his perspective, he's got to wrestle with this. It's like, well, why is God calling Samuel? He's not part of my line. He's not part of my son. I mean, Eli knows the, the prophecy, but again, I'm sure he's not putting too much stock in it. And some time has gone by since that's happened. How come not my sons or how come not me? Right? I'm the priest. Why is God speaking to this young man who's come from the outside, who's been incorporated into the, the worship, and, and yet he's calling the boy? Right? He's calling the boy to minister. So it's a, it's a little bit more than just a, a hearkening for, but it's a, a calling placed on his life from this point on. And we'll see that unfold as we go through this. Verse 9 says, So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, right? So now Eli's giving him some instructions. He now realizes that God is calling in, and again, the boy keeps running to him, and he's going to the wrong place, right? God is speaking to him, and he's saying, Hey, Listen, ask him why. 
Why am I being called? Really, is what's, what's he saying here. It, it, there's a reason. God's not just saying his name for no purpose. There is a purpose from this point on. And so Eli gives him good instruction here. He says, ask God, right? Go to the source. I quite often get that when people will come to me and say, hey, I don't know what to do next, or I, I'm not sure, and I'm be like, I, I don't know either. And, and so you need to pray about it. Go to the source. Ask God what's next. Right? Because quite often we go to people that we want to hear an answer from or we want an answer because then we can kind of set them up and we can blame them if things don't go right. Right? To be honest. Or we go to someone because we want to hear, we figure they're going to give us the same answer that we've already come up with. I think we talked about that a little bit yesterday, right? We, we tend to seek counsel with people that are going to give us, or if we get the counsel we don't like, we'll just keep going till we find that person. But Eli does something really good here. He says, go and ask God. Go to the source. Sometimes the best advice I can give you is go back and ask God. Set with him. Ask him, what is he trying to say to you? I love these next couple of verses here. Verse 10. So the Lord came and stood there, calling as he did at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel, being obedient, says, Speak, for your servant is listening. It's a little bit different this time, right? At first he's just hearing the voice, but now he's coming and he's standing there. There's a presence. Samuel is sensing a presence of God being right there with him. Joe, you illustrated it perfectly, right, with Jesus and Peter, right? Jesus is right there. He's, he's, he's in, the, in the situation. He's in the middle of the storm with his arms around him. You can picture Samuel. He's right there with him. He can feel he can, all of his senses are working. He can feel God right there. He's not just hearing him, but there's that presence that he is right there. You gotta think for a young man, this is something that he's never seen before. It's gotta be quite the experience. It's gotta be quite the the moment, the aha moment. This is a spiritual marking that he's not experienced, and it's gonna change him from this point on. Like I said, Samuel's being obedient at this point. He says, God, what is it I am listening? Harkens the question, right? Jumping out to our own lives. If God is speaking, are we listening? If God is speaking, are we listening? I think many times God is speaking, but we just don't hear. Right? We don't hear his voice because we've gotten either busy or hard-hearted or things have distracted us. We're not listening. Communication thing is a two-way street, Right? And someone in ministry this week actually was, we were talking and he thought he had communicated something very clearly and he, and he did it several times. The problem is the other person on the other end wasn't listening and they ended up doing something totally the opposite of what he did. Right? Are we? And it caused some problems. Well, it can be the same thing in our own lives, right? Are we listening? Are we open to hearing what God has to say to us? Don't you love it when Scripture gives us those great applications right in the, the middle? Guilty. I'm not always listening. And so I need to get to a point where I am hearing from God. And that's as varied as we are here this morning. 
Verse 11, God communicates back. Now that he's got Samuel's attention, he's got him listening, now God communicates to him. See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from the beginning to the end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about, his sons blasphemed against God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Interesting phrase here, and I'm still not 100% sure, even though I spent some time trying to study it out, but it says it will make everyone's ears tingle. If anyone can help me with that, I would really appreciate it, but I'm not sure what that means, the the, the tangling of ears. I'm I'm intrigued by it, but I really don't have a great answer for it other than the fact that it's going to catch their attention. But I, I really don't know. To be honest, I, it's an interesting phrase and in, in how it's translated, right? It, there's going to be a buzz. There's going to be stirring, as, as near as I can tell, by the news and what's going to happen. Right? Eli knows. He's, he's had the, the, we talked about the, the no-name prophets already told him, but Eli doesn't realize yet. And certainly the people, that's not news you'd want to broadcast, right? Eli's not telling everybody. And hey, oh, by the way, God's going to destroy our house and he's going to you know, cut our line off. You know, Eli, I'm sure, kept that under wraps. But God's going to bring that to the forefront. Now, certainly, it's going to shake up, right? It's going to shake up the, the community. It's going to cause some, some murmuring, some, like, why is this happening? This is a major event in the spiritual part of Israel, so it's going to cause a stir, But interesting enough, God said he was going to do it. And we know, because we look back, guess what? God does it. Interesting, too, here, his proclamation here at the end of this is that the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for, right? Eli's now gone, and his sons have gone past the point of no return. Right? God's already judged it. It's gone beyond that point. Interesting, his sons did the sin, but Eli gets blamed here as well because, because of why? Huh? He's the father, but also why? Because he failed to restrain, right? right. He's not leading his household. He's, he's being passive. He's not enforcing the law. He had the authority. He had the opportunity, but he didn't take it. And so he gets judged for it as well. And so uh, as a dad, I look at that and I shudder sometimes and oof, have to wrestle with that a little bit. Again, I'm not pointing at anyone here or, or, or making you feel bad, but again, we have to, as dads, we have to be careful, right? We have to lead our homes and we have to be mindful of that we could be guilty of that same sin if we're not careful. And so it comes with great responsibility. Verse 15, as we go forward. Samuel lay down until the morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. And Samuel answered, Here I am. 
Can you imagine Samuel? Really want to go tell that message, right? No, Eli is a priest. He's someone that he's been, you know, underneath and, and been following, and, and he's got a word from God, and it's not really a great message, right? It's truth, but how do you, how do you soften that message? I can, I can again, imagine a, a young man having to go to an older man and, and give him that message. I don't want to be in that line, right? I'm like most of you. I don't like giving hard messages. I don't like telling people, hey, you're wrong, and guess what? God's going to judge you severely, and you're in big trouble. Certainly not a message that, that anybody wants to give, but Eli's asking, right? Eli wants to know what God said to Samuel. And so... Again, one thing we do see here, Samuel is faithfully being obedient. And once again, when Eli asks him, he says, here I am. Eli asks him the question, what was it he said to you? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me <laughs> anything he told you. Right, that's a nice warm-up, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know God spoke to you, and I want to hear, hear it all. And guess what? If you don't tell me everything, or if you sugarcoat it, guess what? God's, may God deal with you, right? So Eli's really asking. I, I really want to know. I want to know what God said to you. Samuel's going to deliver this message. So Samuel, again, being obedient, told him everything hiding nothing from him. And then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. you got to think at this point, right? Now he's heard now from a, a no-name prophet. Now he's heard from someone inside of his house. Now Eli's at this point. He's got to wrestle with this and just accept, accept the judgment. And i got to reading into it a little bit here by his response, got to think that, that Eli said, all right, well, maybe this is going to happen, but maybe things will change or maybe things will get better. But now at this point, he's saying, you know what? At the end, God is God. And God has already made judgment on this, and I've got to accept this. Right? Let him do what is good in his eyes. Eli's not a stranger to God. Eli's heard from God. Eli knows what he's supposed to do, and he knows his failings. And at this point, he's at that point of, all right, he's really saying, I deserve this at this point. God's, it's out of my control. The lot has already been set. It's pretty bad news. And to get to that point of just accepting it is difficult. Now we get back to Samuel, right? Eli's fate is already sealed, and he's been moved, moving off of the scene, and now Samuel comes now to the, the forefront. There's a, a shift here, even in the, the passage, but even into the role that Samuel starts to take on. Verse 19 says, The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. Read that again. And he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. You can almost, if you read it real quick, you almost miss it, right? 
but God is starting to use Samuel now. God is, is speaking through Samuel, is what he's saying here. He's using him now to speak to the nation of Israel. No longer Eli, no longer his sons, but he's using Samuel to be that mouth, mouthpiece. Samuel's taking on that role of prophet, right? He's speaking truth and he's speaking for God. He's speaking to the nation. And I'm sure being a young man, he's getting mixed reviews, right? Even though you might recognize God's using someone, listening to them, again, can be troublesome. Just like listening to God, sometimes listening to the source can be difficult, right? Sometimes when God speaks through someone, we have to kind of come over some hurdles. We have to get around some, some bends, right? We don't get to choose who God uses, I've always often been amazed, and we've been talking about Titus too, right? Uh, older men to younger men and older women to younger women. Don't be surprised if it, if it flips on you, because it quite often does. The younger person will have words for you. God will use that younger person to speak into your life. One of the things I, I do during the week is, for my, for my own continuing education, is listen to other sermons by other speakers. And I'm getting to a point in age in life where a lot of those pastors are younger pastors. And I'm amazed at some of the things that I learned from those younger pastors. But in my mind, I have to get around that because I'm like, well, you know, let me get one of the old guys, you know, or someone that's done it or, or go back to the, the history, one of the, the greats. Quite often it's someone younger. It may even be someone much younger Maybe from a place where I didn't even expect it. But it goes back to hearing from God, right? If I'm listening, God will use different things. Kind of talking in that same realm, right? When we're listening, God uses different things to speak to us. Right? Joe mentioned it. God can use the words of a song. It speaks to our heart. God uses his word, certainly. Right? That's why we encourage people to read and to study God's Word. God uses His Word to speak to us. He uses other believers to speak to us. And I'll even say it because I've had it happen and I know it to be true. Sometimes God will even use an unbeliever to speak to us. That one always amazes me. I'm like, really? God, really? You use that? That doesn't make sense to me. But guess what? God will use whatever He has to get a hold of us. But it always falls back to, are we listening? And sometimes it's audible, sometimes it's written, sometimes it's in different forms. But God is always speaking, we just need to be always listening. So you've got the main thrust of the passage, or main part of the message. Let's finish up here, again, the, the historical part as we come back around. But interestingly here, like I said, it's a, it's a great spot in Samuel's life, right? Where now he's speaking for the Lord comes with great responsibility, but he's speaking those, and the, the, the picture here is he's not saying it, and it hits the floor, right? Gravity doesn't take over, but it actually goes into people's hearts. It changes how they're listening, right? They don't fall to the ground. Someone who speaks a lot, I sometimes wish they would fall to the ground. Sometimes I wish it wouldn't get past my lips, and I've, I've often said, oh, did I really say that out loud? And my wife will usually say, yes, you did. <laughs> or here's your sign, right? It happens often. And uh, the more we speak often, the more we can be in danger of that. And so our words matter, and we have to be careful with them as well.
That was a bonus point. That wasn't in my original notes, but take that one uh, and use that as well. Verse 20 and 21 as we wrap up here this morning. It says, In all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and, where he, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. I got ahead of myself, got over my skis a little bit, but again, using the word, right? Using God's word. But people started to recognize. They recognize now Samuel is, is rising up. Not because of himself, not because of his heritage, not even because of where he is, but because God is bringing him up. God is using him to that spot of speaking now to the nation. And the, the Danda Bathsheba even shows the, the impact of his ministry, right? It's reaching, it's far, it's, it's spreading out. It always amazes me that when sometimes we, we think that we only have a ministry that's only this big or in this small group, yet it's far-reaching. You never know where that's going to go or how far out that will take you. And how God uses sometimes those things to connect other believers. Sometimes he moves us, and certainly that happens, and as I'm part of that. But, but even in our own circles, right? Maybe you don't move, but the people around you move, and they take a piece of you to somewhere else, and if God's used you in their lives, and they go and minister elsewhere. Or they share that nugget with someone else. And so that, that ministry spreads out. And here, Samuel's in that phase where he's, his ministry is growing, not because of his own work, but because of God. And finally, here's it. The last sentence of this says, And Samuel's word came to all Israel. He's now risen to that point of he is the, the voice of God to the whole nation. Still relatively a young man at this point. And so we'll see some of the troubles, though, that come with being that leader, being that spiritual leader. Even though God's using him and God's speaking through him, we're going to see where the response is not always... The same, it's not always good. Dare I say, ministry's not smooth and easy either. Samuel's got some rough roads to travel yet. God doesn't always pave that way, and quite often he doesn't. He lets them still struggle. So, again, don't, I don't get too far out ahead of myself, but there's more to come. So if you're able to, keep coming each week, and we'll keep working through that. But back to my original question. Are you hearing from the Lord? Are you hearing from the Lord? Again, if God is speaking, are you listening? And the part I didn't put in there, but one of the parts that we see from Samuel, are you being obedient to what he says? Some self-reflection, some questions, some questions, to be honest, that only you can answer. I can't answer that for you, so don't, don't come to me and ask me because I, I can't, can't answer that. And God is quite often will go direct. Sometimes he uses other people, but quite often he'll go direct. So hopefully you're in that place where you can hear from God, not only this morning, but throughout the rest of this week. Bow with me, please.
Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you do use imperfect people, as we've been reminded again and again. And Lord, we're thankful that you do speak, and that you speak to us more than one way. Lord, help us to open our ears, help us to open our hearts to what you're calling us to. That you have a calling for each of us, each and every one of us as believers in you. And Lord, help us to be used by you and to be obedient to that call. Lord, we thank, we're thankful and we're thankful that we can come together and praise you for all that you do. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. It's the first Sunday of the month and uh, we have communion this morning. And so I'm going to ask a couple of my elders to come up. I, Asking even even our newest elder, Rick, uh, to join us this morning. And uh, again, if you weren't here last week, Rick was just voted in as an elder here at the church, and so we're thankful for that. And uh, he'll be helping with serving communion this morning. But communion, if you're visiting with us, we have an open communion table, and what that means is open to believers. It's not a members only or you have to be a certain age or anything like that. It's open to all those who believe. And so we do open our communion table up with that, but we also take it very seriously. And uh, we take it seriously in the fact that we recognize what it means and we recognize that it is an scripture for us uh, to worship and to be obedient to God. And so here at Point Way, as scripture instructs us, it says, whenever you eat of the bread or drink from the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, you will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. It says, everyone should examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And so what we'd like to do here is just take a few moments, just bow your heads right where you're at, just between you and God, and just take a few moments um, to speak with God. And ask Steve if he'll give thanks for the cup and the bread that we're about to receive and for what they represent. Amen.
don't mind that it takes a few minutes. Sometimes it's good for us to reflect a little bit and take that momentary pause. So it's, it's not a bad thing. And so I appreciate the men serving that. But Scripture goes on to tell us, it says, For I see from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. goes on and says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this is, cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and whenever you drink it, remember me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. 